The information you want, the information you need on your Tri-Cities Morning News. Good Wednesday morning, October 13th. This is the Kona News Podcast. I'm Derek Maselli. And I'm Glenn Vaughan. Let's get a check of your top stories for you on your Wednesday morning. He is accused of stabbing a Pasco school bus driver to death. And yesterday he faced a judge in Franklin County. Joshua Davis was ordered to undergo a mental evaluation at Eastern State Hospital to see if he's fit to stand trial in connection with the death of Richard Lenhart. Now, Lenhart, you may remember, was stabbed in front of roughly 35 children while on board a school bus in the driver's seat just blocks away from Longfellow Elementary last month. Davis is due back in court now. Next month, Greg Neft, News Radio 610 KONA. This would be a first. Workers at Fred Meyer and Richland could vote to join UFCW Local 1439. That's the first time in eastern Washington, anyway, that uh, there would be unionization of a grocery store via an election. This uh, only for the Richland location, though. Kennewick workers, um, you know, may make that decision in the future, but for right now, it's the Richland workers that decided to file for an election. Laurel Fish with the UFCW says the election has not yet been scheduled. Another arrest has been made in connection to a drive-by shooting that happened in Kenwick at a trailer park last week. Police say 45-year-old Deacon Stevenson has been taken into custody in connection with that shooting. Uh, This took place off North Klamath back on October 8th. Stevenson's arrest marks the third in connection with that incident. The first, uh, Michael Fagonia, was uh, caught right after the shooting. Uh, 32-year-old Chris Jackson also in custody. Over 15 shots were fired in that gunfight. It's in the mail. Benton County going to send out the November general election ballots today. Ballots must be postmarked or returned on or before Election Day, November 2nd, which is coming up faster than you might think. We're already in mid-October. You don't need a stamp if you return it via the Postal Service. Individuals who are not currently registered to vote anywhere within the state of Washington can do so up until 8 p.m. on Election Day by appearing in person at the Benton County Voting Center located off Columbia Center Boulevard, just north of the 240 Interchange in Richland. If you lose or damage your ballot, you can access it online at votewa.gov. One man found guilty for interfering in an arrest that led to the death of his cousin. In December of 2019, officers were called to a Pasco home to investigate a property crime report. Martin Mendoza, who was 24 years old at the time, shoved three officers to a point where they fell to the ground. His cousin, Alejandro Benincourt Mendoza, 18 at the time, then stabbed the officers, including one that was severely injured. Officers then shot Benincourt Mendoza, who later died of his injuries. Martin Mendoza pleaded guilty to manslaughter in the second degree and three counts of assault in the third degree. He was sentenced to 50 months behind bars. Frank Cooper, News Radio 610, KONA. An investigation going on into the minor derailment of an Amtrak train traveling from Portland to Seattle. The Longview Daily News reports the train was going about 15 miles an hour Monday afternoon when a wheel came off the track. There were 95 people on board. Fortunately, no one was hurt. Amtrak under scrutiny right now, though, of course, following the deadly derailment of a train in Montana late last month. Our friends in Point Roberts will be very happy to hear this. The Washington border with Canada will reopen um, on the American side next month. U.S. Senator Maria Cantwell says the Biden administration informed her that uh, the U.S. border with Canada 
and Mexico will reopen in early November. This comes after a 19-month closure prompted because of the pandemic. Oregon education officials say you only need to pass a background check and be 18 years or older to get an emergency temporary substitute teaching license. There's a big shortfall in the state right now and spots they need to fill, but a district has to sponsor you, and you can only teach in that district. Yes, that district is solely responsible then for that sub, and then they know who that sub substitute is. Anthony Rosilla is with the Oregon Teacher Standards and Practices Division, talking with KATU in Portland. You're listening to the Kona News Podcast, an abridged version of what you hear on the Tri-Cities Morning News weekdays on News Radio 610 KONA. Coming up, we're talking with NBC's Michael Bauer about gas prices and the big jump they've taken over the past week. Welcome back to the Kona News Podcast, a condensed version of what you hear on the Tri-Cities Morning News Monday through Friday here on News Radio 610 KONA. He's Derek Maselli. I'm Glenn Vaughn. Let's head out to the LegendsCasino.com hotline and say good morning to NBC's Michael Bauer. Michael, let's talk about what everybody's talking about, the jump in gas prices, not only across the Pacific Northwest, but across the entire country. Um, give us, I guess you could say, both sides of the coin. Why are we seeing these uh, gasoline prices jump and jump so much? Well, across the country, as you're talking about, you're, according to AAA, the average for gas sitting at about three twenty-seven a gallon as of Monday. According to AAA, also Californians are paying on average four dollars and forty-four cents per gallon. So it's higher in some places than others. But in any case, those kinds of prices are not prices we've seen at the pump since October 2014. And AAA says the main reason for the climbing prices is due to the surging price of crude oil. Keep in mind, in the spring of 2020, when COVID was at its highest, there was nobody on the road. There was nobody at the airports. The cost of energy was dirt cheap. Fast forward to today, energy demand is back full force. The, co- the world economy is trying to reopen here, but supply simply hasn't kept up, which seems to be a reoccurring theme in this particular situation. Now, that's why U.S. oil prices have skyrocketed $120 since crashing to negative $40 a barrel back in April 2020. That was right, negative $40. So they were below zero as far as a, a value for a barrel of oil back in April 2020. Now they're up to just over $80 a barrel for the first time in nearly seven years. And that is leading for many Americans to the sticker shop shock when they fill up at the gas pump and it's at a time usually for the most part gas prices are typically starting to cool off as we get ready to head into the holidays so we're not seeing either of those right now we're not seeing that that cooling down process and we're not seeing what seems to be a forecast for getting and staying underneath a hundred dollars a barrel in fact what the indication is we could approach that depending on how cold the winter will be. And according to experts, they're saying the best case scenario we have right now is that we have an average with an average temperature winter and an average winter, which could allow us to lift the pressure of all of this in the second quarter of 2022. So keep in mind, that's still at least eight months away. And in order to do that, we've got to keep these prices where they are and have an average winter. And they just had, what, 21 inches of snow in in parts of the upper west there. So I don't necessarily know that that's the indicator that you're going to have an average winter. But that's what we're looking at right now, unless we can get the OPEC nations to do more to produce more oil. 
Mike, two things that you mentioned there that I want to bring up. Well, first off, the Biden administration has received a little bit of criticism from some for not really investing in U.S. oil production, as some of the other administrations have in the past. And you just mentioned OPEC there, too. How much of this is, uh, in your assessment, caused internally here by actions from the administration to kind of steer away from oil? And then how much of this is just hesitancy on the part of OPEC, as you mentioned, going from negative to now being well in in the black in oil prices and just uh, very conservative uh, supply on the part of the OPEC nations? I think it's I think it's the latter more so than the former. I mean, we there, don't get me wrong. There are certain I mean, and this is a global issue as well. This is not just happening in the U.S. Keep this in mind. If we're hitting that $80 mark here in the U.S. in places like Europe, that's the equivalent of about $230 a barrel. In East Asia, that's the equivalent of about $204 a barrel. So they're all going through this these kinds of problems as well. And largely across the board, we know that there's a big meeting coming up in November uh, as it stands for climate change and what countries are supposed to do to do their part to help uh, reverse climate change or fix it on some level. So that's a part of it. But largely when you're looking at the dollar amount of gas, we are operating in a global market. There is a global market for oil. That means there's basically one price, whether you're an exporter like Canada, for instance, is what we would call energy independent. They produce more oil than they use and they export a bunch of oil. They're paying the same amount that we are for gas because this is a global global market for oil. One price, price, whether you're an exporter or you're an importer. So prices in the United States move with the world price, whether we import or not. U.S. gasoline prices reflect the world oil prices largely here. So we're at the vulnerability for the most part of what happens with the OPEC nations. We're at that level because that's where the determination of the price comes into play. And the way to lower that is to get them to produce more, which they said they would not do about a week ago. Um, I don't know if there's going to be any convincing going forward. As you pointed out, because for the past 16 months, they've been operating at a much larger deficit than I even recall. And just now they're starting to get back on track. Michael, how does the uh, rise in oil prices fit in with the much larger um, picture of energy problems that we're seeing across the entire globe? I mean, we're talking about natural gas shortages. We're talking about coal shortages in China. This seems to be only one piece of the puzzle. Uh, that's correct. Absolutely. So when you're when you're running with this part of the deal here and you're using other elements like you're actually seeing parts of Europe that have been operating on natural gas saying they might actually have to use crude oil in order to heat themselves. So that's going to cause you know, a big rise in costs for heating as well. The biggest impact is certain, certainly going to be felt by us as consumers in the form of higher prices. Right. Um, when you're looking at things like the, the food supply across the globe, rising energy prices in Europe are going to have a serious cascading effect on our ability to get food supply. Major fertilizer plants were closed to curtail output because of the rising cost, and now farmers can't produce, produce enough food as a result. And that's affecting other things like carbonated beverages, dry ice, packaged foods, foods that used on some level carbon dioxide, which comes from the fertilizer. I mean, this, you can see where this all becomes a chain of events that becomes a major concern. And when you're looking at things like uh, Apple iPhones or electronics, toys, there have been many, uh, several Apple suppliers have suspended operations of their factories in China. Uh, many electronics industry people doing the same thing, reeling from the big chip shortage. And a lot of that has to do with getting things from A to B and how much it costs these days. So, look, while we're trying to pull ourselves out of a post-COVID or in, into a post-COVID economy, 
the more dollars you have to spend on heating your house or driving your car, that can't go back into the economy. And then that becomes a big issue, as well as the slowing down in the supply chain issues that we're already experiencing because it costs more to do business. Michael, the administration has uh, said multiple times, like Derek was mentioning, that they're moving away from oil and they're moving away from uh, biofuels. They want to go to green energy and alternative fuels. Um, is there concern in the administration that uh, people in the White House might be tone deaf to what the American people are dealing with? Because green energy might be nice in the future, but if I can't pay to fill up my gas tank and my groceries are more expensive, I really don't care too much about green energy. So is there a concern that this could be a blunder by the administration of not saying, let's produce more oil here and try to alleviate pressures now rather than worry about a future problem? Well, again, and I think that all of those things are are very much a concern for the administration right now. But again, at the end of the day, whether you produce more oil in the United States or not, you're still going to have the same oil prices. As long as you cannot get into and deal with the OPEC nations to lower that, you're kind of stuck at this point. So the other alternative is to have some of the greener, uh, more reusable energies or or battery-operated vehicles. That I mean, I've had that discussion with my wife here over the past couple of weeks because the one thing that is really going to help when it comes to uh, lowering that price of oil is not using that oil. That's how it. That's how you get those prices down. It, it, so you either have to lower it by producing more of it as a oil-producing nation or a part of the OPEC countries, or you've got to just not use very much of it, like we saw in April of 2020. Then the prices will certainly fall from there. So um, the move towards the future is something that they're working on, but there is certainly a big question right now getting pulled out of or trying to pull out of this post-COVID world what that means and how how maybe all of in addition to just supply chain slowing down maybe the usage of those renewable energies are going to be something that has to slow down just till we find some level of normalcy in between again nbc news correspondent michael bauer with us on the kona news podcast coming up william shatner returns from space and we'll have more pnw regional news when we return Kona News Podcast continuing now with some national headlines. Texas Governor Greg Abbott getting some pushback over his ban on COVID vaccine mandates. ABC's Jim Ryan says Abbott's executive order conflicts with rules coming out of D.C. Governor Greg Abbott intends to fine private businesses $1,000 if they require employees or customers to present proof of vaccination. At the White House, Jen Psaki says. Our intention is to implement these requirements across the country, including in the states where there are attempts to oppose them. Abbott calls that Washington bullying. The Dallas Regional Chamber says COVID vaccines and testing are the only way out of the pandemic. Jim Ryan, ABC News, Dallas. President Biden meeting with industry leaders and shipping representatives to talk about snags in the global supply chain and how that's affected prices and delivery times for Americans. ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Cecilia Vega says representatives from Walmart, FedEx, UPS and officials from the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach expected to commit to working around the clock to help ease the bottleneck. This has been a big concern for this White House for a while now, so much so that they appointed a bottleneck czar back in August. But the Treasury Secretary there, this is a big deal. She says uh, you want to be be prepared for potential isolated shortages, but she is warning consumers not to panic that there is an ample supply of goods come the holiday season. Again, ABC's Cecilia Vega. William Shatner, you and I actually know him as Captain Kirk, getting ready to blast off today. Shatner, who is 90 years of age, 
will be the oldest person to fly into space on a Blue Origin rocket. ABC's Gio Benitez has more on a video released by Blue Origin where Shatner says he's ready for an adventure. Shatner saying he just couldn't say no to this invitation. There is an adventure in my life that I would not have had had I not done this. And it looks like there's a great deal of curiosity about this fictional character, Captain Kirk, going into space. So let's go along with it and enjoy the ride. Again, that was William Shatner getting ready to uh, go up into space on Blue Origins rocket. The U.S. investigating reported cases of what's called Havana Syndrome in Colombia now, ahead of Secretary of State Tom Blinken's visit. ABC with more from the Foreign Desk. A source familiar with the cases confirmed to ABC News that a few U.S. personnel at the embassy in Bogota, Colombia, have reported symptoms consistent with Havana Syndrome. That makes Colombia just the latest country where U.S. officials have reported incidents of the mysterious neurological affliction. Dozens have now been affected. This comes as Secretary of State Blinken is expected to head to Bogota this month. In Azdalekwatera, ABC News, at the Foreign Desk. A Halloween tradition in Wenatchee, and fun for all, especially for your fine furry friends. The family pet parade is scheduled for October 30th. The Rotary Club of Wenatchee Sunrise says the parade will march through the outdoor farmer's market at Pibus, and that gets underway at 10.30 a.m. We encourage pet owners and their pets to uh, dress up in costumes and participate. We will have giveaways and human treats and dog treats, and we'll be setting up like a little harvest photo booth that you can take selfies with your pets. Jackie Rector says the uh, parade is free, but they will collect donations for the Wenatchee Valley Humane Society. A massive landslide in Yakima County slowing its roll. The Yakima Herald reports the 20-acre Rattlesnake Ridge landslide near Union Gap now moving less than two inches per week. That's according to the latest measurements taken in August. The landslide first discovered in 2017. Last year, it was moving at about two to three inches per week. No matter where you call, come October 24th, you're going to need to dial all 10 digits. This change to dialing is happening as sort of a first step to making sure that a nationwide change will be able to happen where folks can dial 988 to reach the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Even if, says Emily Brown, the Washington State Utilities and Transportation Commission, it's a local call in the 509. The reason phone systems need to be ready for that new 988 hotline. A new report from the Oregon Department of Agriculture showing greenhouse and nursery products were the most valuable industries last year, bringing in $1.1 billion. Cattle was the second at $587 million, and hay third at $569 million. Nursery products surged for the second year in a row, meanwhile, because more people were staying home gardening and landscaping. Cherries increased 78%, and hazelnut sales went up 24%. Oregon actually grows nearly all of the hazelnuts produced in the United States. Oregon has set a new daily record for COVID-19 deaths with 82 two new deaths reported on Tuesday. The Oregon Health Authority uh, specifying, though, the, the those occurred over several days. Still, Oregon's death toll from the pandemic is now almost 4,100. Taking a look at Washington's numbers, the Washington State Department of Health reporting over 1,800 new cases of COVID yesterday. However, the numbers for hospitalizations and death counts were incomplete, officials say, due to a data processing interruption. 
Another employer requiring COVID vaccinations, the Seattle Times reporting aerospace giant Boeing told employees on Tuesday they must be fully vaccinated by December 8th or face termination. The mandate impacts about 57,000 employees here in Washington and 125,000 employees nationwide. Employees must request an exemption for medical or religious purposes. So you got vaccinated, but then you lost your card proving it. What do you do? Shalan Douglas Health District says they've gotten a number of calls about exactly that lately. We're encouraging everyone to go to the state resource first. It's myir.net. It's a free website. It's easy to use. It's very convenient. You can print it off right then and there. Veronica Farias with the district says they can help walk you through it if you need it. Washington Governor Jay Inslee says he's encouraged by what he calls sky-high COVID-19 vaccination rates among state employees. He issued that statement on Tuesday celebrating the 92% of state workers who are now fully vaccinated. We're less than a week away from the October 18th deadline for state employees to be fully vaccinated. However, Inslee and other state officials are facing more than one lawsuit regarding that mandate. This has been another installment of the Kona News Podcast, brought to you by News Radio 610 KONA. Make sure you listen to the Tri Cities Morning News live Monday through Friday from 6 to 10 Pacific Time. Derek Maselli saying thanks for listening.